If you want to support any of the podcasts produced by Multiple World Productions, consider going to multipleworldproductions.com slash books, where you can pick up any of my released Kindle books, including the Operation Swan Song trilogy, Our Past Does Not Define Us, In the End, the Echo Omega series, and Sizzle Reel for just $2.99 each. Thank you. Good evening, and welcome to 30-Minute Reviews. I am Adam. This could be a reasonably long episode, because there has been quite a bit of news, and we're also going to get into a little bit of um, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which came out ways back at this point, four years ago. It's also like 60 degrees out, so it's a reasonably nice, uh, nice time. So... Let's start out with the news. I think that's as good a place as any to start. Um, the first story comes from yesterday, and it is that Warner Brothers is considering a possible reboot of Harry Potter on HBO or HBO Max in the near future, and they're working it out with J.K. Rowling to have her come back and be an executive producer. Um, now, Warner Brothers has a bit of a an issue right now with Discovery at Discovery's acquisition. I think I've said this before. Um, it very much seems like they're trying to milk as much money out of Warner Brothers properties as humanly possible, especially the profitable ones. Like, I think that there's definitely a reason why the first two movies that DC Films is doing, or DC Studios is doing, are a Superman and a Batman. Like, that's not an accident. That is definitely on purpose. So... Then we heard that they wanted to reboot from the ground up Lord of the Rings and do new Lord of the Rings movies and not more worlds set in Middle-earth, but more Lord of the Rings movies, specifically remake those that were already made in the early 2000s. So we knew that, but what about Harry Potter now? Again, remake Harry Potter. And this is... When I hear someone talk about franchises, if I hear someone talk about the endless reboots, this is that cynic coming out. This is the person who's like, oh, it's endless reboots. And I think the other issue is these things are not old enough where we can look back on them and be like, okay, that old thing is doesn't look great because it's old. These movies have all aged remarkably well. Remarkably well. If you go back and watch Harry Potter, any of them, even the older ones, they have aged in terms of effects, in terms of what those movies are doing, all of them have aged remarkably well. The same goes for Lord of the Rings. Not so much The Hobbit, but the Lord of the Rings movies have all aged amazingly in a way that a lot of modern movies don't because of digital effects. And I think inherently what you're going to end up with with this thing is that there's going to be the inherent comparison to the original that's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be, oh, it's better than the original. And the other issue is when we talk about Harry Potter... Um, they got very lucky with Harry Potter. Let's not act like it's not a crapshoot when you hire child actors. Let's not act like the history of Hollywood is not entirely that cast. It is, a lot of times, really shitty performances from kids who aren't trained actors. 
which is fine. They're children. It's not, you know, that it's not inherently their job. I mean, granted, their actors are being paid to do it, but it is not their, you know, entire bread and butter at that point to be good actors. And, and they haven't had the years and years and years of experience being on stage and honing themselves into an instrument that can be used the way we look at other actors, the way we look at, you know, the Ben Afflecks and, and the other people who are around now, who are adults, who are doing good work. They got lucky. They got very lucky. They held this massive, massive casting call. I think it was like 10,000 kids came out to play all the roles. And they got so, so lucky that they got the characters, uh, the actors that they did in that movie. Replicating that is not going to be an easy feat. And that inherently is going to be the thing where it's like, all right, whatever, let's see how this goes. And then if you look at, like, the Fantastic Beast movies, those have started aging more poorly than the original Harry Potter movies. So you're going to have that problem as well. And then if we're going to take it and we're going to stretch it out into each book being an eight-hour show, um, I think that's a better way to tell the story, and you can probably get more to the, the quote-unquote truth of the narrative as it was originally portrayed in the books, because that's the thing is like the, the James from the books is different from James from the movies and, and, and all of that. And it's a very different conversation when we look at what's going on here. Um, I think that that's a, if they're going to do that and they can, they can actually nail that properly. I think that's interesting. Plus we also have the benefit of the last 20 years to rewrite these movies, rewrite this from the ground up, which is always a benefit. You always get like, on the rewrite, you always will be able to, you know, nail out improvements, and you will have that here too. I just feel like the only issue is again, will it be able to be as good as the original? Because let's not keep in mind, I think it was 2011 was when Deathly Hallows Part Two was either 2011 or 2012. I think it was 2011 because I was still in high school. Um, but Deathly Hallows Part Two came out 12 years ago. It may, it's, it's, it's both a lot longer than you would think, but also not that long ago at all. It's not long enough for people to have forgotten. It's not long enough for people to be like, oh, I'm not going to go back and watch that. It's not long enough where people are going to be like, okay, well, what's this other thing? It's Harry Potter is still Harry Potter. There's a reason why Harry Potter ending up on HBO Max every other month when it moves from there to Peacock to whatever there's a reason why it is occupying the home screen of the of of the the first thing you see when you click on HBO Max because they know it's a draw. And I think it's someone in power is like, "Oh, they like Harry Potter, they didn't like Fantastic Beasts, let's do Harry Potter again." I don't think that's the solution. I think the solution is to go a different direction. Um like if they did a Order of the Phoenix like series, like what happened during the war initially, that would be good. If they went the direction of telling the story of the Marauders when they were in Hogwarts, that would be good. Hell, if they decided to do an alternate story instead of Cursed Child in the future, and I think that that's what the other underpinning story here is, is that there was talks about doing a Cursed Child movie. And there was enough talks where basically every cast member was asked about doing a Curse Child movie, and they were all like, yeah, maybe. I'm not 100%, though. I'd have to see what's going on. And it's like, like some of them were like way more gung-ho than others, but if we're, if we're in the situation where it's like, now we're talking about a Harry Potter reboot, I don't think the Curse Child movie's happening. I think that's the big takeaway here, too, 
is that if the Cursed Child movie was happening, we would not have this discussion of a Harry Potter reboot on the table. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting place to be when we talk about what this really is by and large. Um, I'm open to seeing where they go from here. I'm open to seeing what else could possibly happen. Um, and again, I'm not going to, I, I, and that's the thing too, is like, I can, I can be down on things. I'm down on things a lot. I, that never comes from a place of wanting something to fail. I never want something to be bad because I'm going to end up watching it and I want it to be good because I don't want to waste my time. Please see Gotham Knights over on Beware Spoilers for, for more on that because I'm sitting here watching Gotham Knights every week and I'm, I'm not thrilled about the show. But I wish it was better. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of where we are now. I think what Harry Potter or what the Wizarding World should do is take the page from Star Wars's kind of like handbook, and we're we're kind of where we are right now with with um, with Harry Potter in terms of Star Wars is we are now just after Revenge of the Sith, where we had the original movies everyone likes. Then they do these prequels that very few people actually like and are a little weird and not great and don't actually answer a lot of questions and make things a little more confusing, more than they need to be. And then now we're at a point where it's like, okay, so we have this franchise. How do we monetize it? How do we get this franchise to make us money? And that's kind of where we are with both this and Lord of the Rings, which is why the innate thing to go to is to go back and retell the story. Because unlike Star Wars, where you can do a light reboot with a new cast and and or a legacy sequel or a remix, whatever you want to call it, because um, I've been historically calling them remixes, but you can't really do that with Harry Potter unless you're going to send a new batch of kids into Hogwarts and start fresh and not do Cursed Child. Um, and the same goes for Lord of the Rings, unless they're going to continue. And again, I, I really should have my Lord of the Rings correspondent here for this. He is busy, um, and I'll ask him to to give a to give a comment before we come back next time, so that way I can, you know, give his his two cents on this. But I, I don't know if there's a story for what happens after Lord of the Rings, or if Lord of the Rings is just the end of the line. Um, and I think that's kind of my big issue with this. Where does Lord of the Rings end and the continuation begin? And is there a story there? Because you could do that. Um, and I think that's kind of where this is stuck off now. How does that work? Um, and I think that with both of these, I think going with the reboot is not the best idea. Again, because we've seen these recently. It's not so old that... like. Like, that's the thing, too, that Star Wars had going for it to an extent was that it was 1977 when Star Wars came out. And then when you do a light remix in the form of The Force Awakens, where it basically just is a new hope, just with a bigger Death Star and with a new cast, it, when you do that, people are more forgiving because it's been so long. And the interval we saw in the late 90s, early 2000s was so bad. But that's the thing, too is that The Hobbit is not prequels bad, and Fantastic Beasts is not prequels bad. Like, even the worst of those movies are still competently made movies, and you will get some entertainment out of them. Like, I would rather re-watch any of The Hobbit movies or any of the Fantastic Beasts movies than ever in my life have to go back and watch Phantom Menace again, or have to go back and watch Attack of the Clones again. Like, even though I'm a little more up on Attack of the Clones than I was in the past... I'm still not thrilled about that movie, but I'd rather rewatch the other ones than rewatch either of those. So therein lies the problem. 
And if if they're trying to take that approach, more power to them. I just don't see this as a as a winning strategy. I just don't. And I think that less important for a reboot is J.K. Rowling. I think more important is you to have David Yates involved because. If you go back and watch the movies, the first three movies have a very different look and feel. The first two are Christopher Columbus. The second, uh, the third movie was um, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, and the fourth movie—I forgot the director's name—but five, six, seven, eight were all David Yates, and then one, two, three, Fantastic Beasts were all David Yates. And when we think Harry Potter and we think the visual aesthetic of of how the magic looks and how the how that is all communicated to the viewer. That all comes from David Yates, and I think that is a considerably more important thing to have nailed than to have the, you know, the, what's it called? The, the, um, the, the J.K. Rowling be directly involved, because she's written the books, and we've, we know how those books adapt, so we don't really need her there anymore. We can have someone else do that, and I don't think it'll be as big a deal, so... We'll keep an eye on this, and as it develops, we will talk about it further. Our next story, before we get into the thing that everyone cares about, um, is the arrival of uh, a new competitor for the Steam Deck. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this was I wanted to talk about Sony. Um, so, Asus, who does Republic of Gamer, or ROG, or ROG, or however you pronounce it, I actually have an, an Asus laptop, I, I, I swear by I got this... Like it's a thirteen hundred dollar laptop. I got it for like seven hundred bucks. I I would, I would swear by this laptop. It is a fantastic piece of hardware, and it is like they make great stuff. The only thing is the fan's a little loud and it does get a little hot, but whatever. You you take what you can. Um, I I really love what they do there. Um, so a few was it a few years ago or was it last year? The Steam Deck comes out. What's the Steam Deck? Is just a handheld version of a computer. It runs Linux. It has Steam OS and you basically can just run Steam on your handheld. Uh, more interestingly than that, when um, when Dolphin comes to Steam, that should be really interesting to see how that plays. Because you'll have GameCube games and um, and Wii games on the go. All of that notwithstanding, um, there has now been competition because Logitech had a gamepad that is similar, and now Republic Gamer has this one, which is pretty high end. And my first thought when I saw this article and I saw that you know, Asus is now getting into the handheld gaming business, is how much is Sony kicking themselves for putting all the money into PSVR 2? And for PSVR 2 to sell as poorly as it has, and for them to not continue with the, with the, what, with portable gaming. Because let's be honest, the Vita was supported until 2021. Like, they kept the store open and it was able to be, you could buy stuff on the store until 2021. They weren't mass producing them, but that is well into the life cycle of PSVR. My thing is, when you see, like, my thing is, if I'm Sony and I see the PSVR is selling um, 3 million units, and the Vita, which is considered a failure by PlayStation, sold 15 to 16 million units, meanwhile the Steam Deck has sold over a million units in its first year, that's the only, you know, thing I could find on it, it's like... I'm not saying that they have to do a, a downsized model. I'm not saying that they should be going to like uh, to to their subsidiary studios and other studios and be like, "Hey, can you make content specifically for this?" I'm saying that like if they did like a PS5 portable or something like that, they could be making substantially more money than doing PSVR. 
And 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 Josie and I talked about this a little bit a while back, where we talked about why VR is kind of in the place it is, and the the VR use case is not exactly strong enough to warrant there being a huge install base. And that's the thing too, is that the average person does not have a need or a desire for a virtual reality headset. Like my sister doesn't really play video games. Um. She and she definitely is not going to play VR. Um, I could probably persuade her into getting a Steam Deck if you got a nice suite of games on there that she would be interested in. But or a Switch, she'll play. Like she, I think she has a Switch. Like, but she will not play VR. Like, there's no use case for VR. And when you look at what games are available for VR, they're very niche. They speak to the independent market already. The person who's going to go out and buy indie games. Because there isn't a huge first-party support for it either from Sony. Like, when you look at the games, there's, like, there's Call of the Mountain, which is the new uh, Horizon game. But even that isn't exactly something that is going to really speak to the vast majority of players. Until you get, like, why is there not... Why is Sony... Uh, is it Sony Santa Monica or the Sony... Uh, a different one. Um, whichever one does the show. Why is there no The Show VR? If there's a sport that lends itself to VR better than baseball, please tell me what it is. Because there's there's no the show VR. I don't know why why was that not a launch title? Why is there no um like they have a um, a football one, but why is that like and, and and think back. On the 3DS at launch, there was a Madden game. Madden NFL football was available on the 3DS at launch. Why are you not partnering with EA to put out a full Madden game? On VR. And I think my other thing that I said that really was something that could help the install base is if you're Sony and you have PSVR 2, is we're not going to license out our movies anywhere else. If you want to stream our movies, you have to stream it through VR. And I know people would not like that. I know people are going to be upset. If you said you had to stream all the Spider-Man movies or Jumanji or any number of other movies, you have to stream them through a VR headset. I feel like a lot of people would not enjoy that. But I feel like that's a way you can get people to, to, to do it. Or at least, if you're not going to say exclusive, at least it, try to partner with Netflix and be like, hey, we're going to create a streaming room app for virtual reality. Because one of the things you can do with virtual reality is you can create the experience of having a screen that is that like the size of a, a theater screen with the, with the surround sound capability of a theater on your head. And if, if that's a selling point, that may get people in. You need to get the layman in on VR, and you're not doing that right now, which is why it's all the more baffling that you're not getting in. Like, when they started sunsetting the um, the, the Vita a few years back, and they started moving it into, you know, where they are now, the PSVR was already out, and so was the Switch for a considerable amount of time. And you mean to tell me that Sony wasn't like, hey, why don't we try one last gas but a new console to try and do this? But if we try to, like, and granted, let, let's be fair, Nintendo games do not run as well in either form on the Switch as the average PlayStation game does. And it wasn't until the Steam Deck came along that we had a game, uh, a console, that could run high-end computer games and high-end AAA titles at that same fidelity in handheld. It wasn't until then. And let, let's make that very clear. Um, but if I'm Sony, independent of Steam creating the Steam Deck, that's where I would have put my money. 
Because virtual reality is a ways away from being commercially viable. Because that's the thing. We talked about this, again, when we talked about this back in the Black Panther episode, back in um, February, I think it was. Or was it the Black Panther episode, or was it the, uh, what's it called? Was it the uh, the Ant-Man episode? Either way, we talked about VR a few episodes back, Josie and I. And we talked about how to get people in, you need to get developers to realize there's money in VR. And what's rapidly happening is people are realizing there's very little money in VR. Because there are so few VR titles that people aren't using it as, like, for me, it's like, for Josie, it was different. She said she would have bought a VR system right now. For me, there's no VR use case. There is no game in VR that I'm like, okay, I'm going to go right now and pick this up because I need to play this game right here. In the same way that, like, for PlayStation, I want to play Spider-Man 2 when that comes out, I'm going to get a PS5. I want to play uh, Last of Us Part 3 when that comes out, inevitably, I'm going to get a PS5. It's, you don't have that same thing. And that is a big problem. It's a colossal problem that they have not yet addressed with VR. And I think that with this, if this Asus thing comes out, and it's running on Windows 11, and it's going to have um, it's going to have Steam and, and um, Epic and Origin compatibility, if this comes out and this is a hit and it can do... If this thing can outsell the PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation VR then I think Sony has to seriously consider doing a PlayStation 5 portable. I think they should be working on it right now. Like, a PlayStation 5 portable could have been their big E3 announcement had they done E3 this year because E3 got canceled, but that's the kind of thing that could have been their big announcement this year. And people would have gone nuts for it. But they didn't do that. Um, it doesn't seem like they're anywhere near. I haven't seen anything indicating a leak or a patent or anything like that to indicate that a, a Sony portable console is anywhere on the way. Um, but I don't understand why it's not. If you gave people the option to take God of War Ragnarok on the road with them for, for 750 instead of 500, which is what the PlayStation 4 is, PlayStation 5 is going for right now, if you said, hey, you pay 800 you can buy this and you can play it on the go, I can guarantee you would have moved copies. Especially considering, like, it's running on disks. You can put the disk, like, you can have a disk drive on that. Like, it'll be a little thicker, but you can probably have a disk drive on there. Again, I'm not a tech person, so it's possible, but, you know, it, it, it is it is what it is. And I think that Sony had a huge missed opportunity here. Before we move on to the main event of the night, let's say a quick word about what we have going on. If you go to multipleworldproductions.com, we have a list of sponsors that you can go to and help us out. We have DHgate, we have uh, Becca Collector, we have Gamefly, we have, uh, what's the fourth one, Roxio. Uh, Roxio Easy Media Creator, you can use that to edit your videos in a streamlined way. It's a non-linear editor. Uh, not the one that I would use, but the thing from Roxio that I really like is their VHS to DVD system. It's basically, if you have an old VCR and you have old VHS tapes and you don't want to send them to a drugstore or to a conversion place, um, you can convert them yourself. It is a really easy thing. It's a little adapter that plugs into your computer. You plug in a, uh, you plug in these auxiliary cables, you plug it into your VCR or your camcorder or whatever you have, and it'll run it right through and put it right on your computer. No questions asked. It's so easy. You don't even have to go and uh, and take it anywhere and end up paying. Like I got old fil- um, I got old things done um, at at a Walgreens. It cost over a thousand dollars, and this is so much cheaper. And because you pay, I think it's eighty dollars for the system, and you can use it as much as you want. 
And if you need more copies, you don't have to ask, you don't have to have them print them for you. You can just do it yourself. It's right there. Um, you can get that through our website um, on the homepage, multipleworldproductions.com. You can also get a free 30-day trial of Gamefly, which is fantastic. Gamefly, you get uh, one game one game at a time. You take them out like Netflix used to in the day. Old games, new games, games that are coming out in the future. You can try them before you buy them. Totally worth it. You can check that out also on the website. And now for the thing that everyone was probably here for, Trailer Talk. So what we have is we have four trailers. Let's start with Barbie because that came out most recently. We'll work backwards from most recent to oldest. So we'll start with Barbie. Uh, Barbie came out today. The movie opens opposite Oppenheimer in July. Um, and it will be a... It's directed by Greta Gerwig. stars Margot Robbie, uh, Ryan Gosling, and a giant cast of other people that I was like, wow, there's a fuck ton of people in this movie. Um, it looks kind of insane, this movie. It looks like they're not taking it too seriously. It looks like it's meant to be a joke. And it's it's like... It's kind of making fun of the idyllic world that Barbie is meant to inhabit. And I think that is an interesting approach for telling this story. And I, I, I wouldn't expect anything different. Like when they said that Greta Gerwig was going to be doing the Barbie movie, I was like, all right, there's going to be some twist on this. Because as Greta Gerwig being the artist that she is, she's not going to do a straight Barbie movie and have it be whatever we think it is. Um and it looks pretty interesting. It looks like it's like a live-action kind of... It gave me big Lego movie vibes. Um, and it looks like a live-action version of that, where it's these toys who are living out their lives, and then they're going, you know, they're going to escape into the real world. And then, like, you you see, like, you know, there are things where it's, like, it is curtailed by, like, what a child knows. Because it's, like, you know, the conversation with Ken and Barbie, like, oh, do you want to spend the night? And Barbie's like, why? And Ken's like, because we're boyfriend and girlfriend, so that's what we're supposed that's what we do. And Barbie's like, and do what? And Ken's like, I don't know. It's like, it feels like a kid playing with toys. Um, which is kind of interesting if that's where this is, they're going with this. Uh, I'm interested in seeing this movie. Uh, and that whole bit at the end with with, uh, with beating off was, I, I was dying laughing watching that. It's so funny. Um, and I'm very interested to see where this, where they take this movie. Um, and and I, I'm kind of curious to see how it, how it all works out. Um, so the next one is probably my most anticipated movie of the summer, um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, if you know me, you know I'm a colossal fan of the first movie, um, and I, I sat down to watch this, and I'm like, they know exactly what the fuck they're doing, because they play What's Up Danger in this, and I'm like, alright, they got me, which they had me before. This movie looks absolutely fucking stunning. The art is beautiful. The world they've created is beautiful. All the different Spider-Men doing their thing is great. Um, and we still don't have that big of a sense of the narrative. And I think that's also a really good thing going into this. I watched this trailer, and it simultaneously made me more excited to see the movie. And I feel like I know less about the movie than I did before, besides the fact that, like, holy shit, they're going to put a seizure warning on this because of the amount of, like, flashing lights and colors in this movie. Um... There are a lot of great comedic bits that I really like, like the whole thing with the, uh, you know, and don't even get me started about Doctor Strange and that nerd from uh, 1999-99, which is interesting because in Doctor Strange, they've designated the Marvel Cinematic Universe as 616, but in Spider-Verse, they've designated it by the official designation they gave it years ago. Um, Earth uh, 1999-99 is um, the, what's it called? 
is the the designation it was in the comics. They they designated that in the comic at one point. Uh, and then when since then there's been an incursion and six one six and sixteen ten were destroyed and remerged into a new universe that was not retitled six one six. And then now they retitled it six one six. But it's interesting that here they're they're calling it nineteen ninety nine nine nine. Even even as a slight reference. I think we're going to get a, a Tom Holland cameo in this movie. It's weird for them to reference that, but have him not cameo. I think he definitely appears in this movie. I also wouldn't be surprised if Garfield or McGuire also show up. Um, I'm looking forward to all of it. Any of it, all of it. Give me whatever they want to give. I'm, I'm here for any and all of it. Um, and and look, if, if this movie is... I would sit there. This is the only animated movie I think I would sit there for two and a half hours to watch. Um... And, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, so let's see how it goes. I, I like I'm like I I saw this trailer and I'm like I'm I'm so in. It's like you get Mayday Parker there. You get you know that that whole thing where it's like get Spider Man and all the Spider Man are doing the the pointing thing like who him 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 me him and um, and the thing where it's like the Spider Man talking to the therapist Spider Man and it's it's like it had that that sequence at the end had such a Rick and Morty vibe that I was like this this is going to be something truly special I think uh, I'm very much looking forward to across the Spider-Verse when that comes out in uh early June um then came a movie that I'm a lot less gung-ho about and I walked into seeing the trailer a lot more gung-ho and that is Blue Beetle um and again it's going to sound like I'm being shitty on DC and I really don't want it to come off that way because when we talk about Secret Invasion I'm a lot bigger on Secret Invasion than I was on, on Blue Beetle. But Secret Invasion, but Blue Beetle, it's just, the effects don't look great, and I don't really need George, even though George Lopez, his line at the end, where it's like, he's talking about, like, Batman, he's a fascist. Like, that made me laugh out loud. But I'm like, I don't know, do I really need George Lopez in a superhero movie? Like, we had that back, what was it, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Or was it, uh, was, was it Spy Kids 3D? Stallone was one of them, and, and, and George Lopez was the other. I don't remember which is which. But either way, it's like, I I see this, and I'm like, this gives me Venom vibes a little bit, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to be reminded of Venom. Um, I'm not 100% certain if that's where I want to be on this. Um, and I don't know. I'm. You know what? I'm going to say it. Because if I'm right, I'll look like a genius. If I'm wrong, no one will remember. Um, what if this is Arrowverse adjacent? What if that's what the gun universe is going to... Never mind, I'm not going to do that. Because um, we have a Batman there and we have a Superman there. Never mind, ignore me. Um, and I think that like the costume's not terrible. Um, I just wish that they didn't show the suit up in the trailer. I wish that they didn't show the ship in the trailer. Um, I understand that you're trying to sell me on a superhero that doesn't have quite the notoriety that Batman and Superman have, but I could have done without, you know, I could have done without all of that in the trailer. Um, introduce me to Jaime, um, and, and make me fall in love with the characters. Um, don't rely on the big superhero action set pieces, because that's the thing, like, if we want to talk about the quote-unquote Marvel method that DC's been trying to emulate... It's, we fall in love with the characters, not the powers. And, like, look, we talk about Iron Man, and Iron Man is very much a movie about, and maybe when I see the full movie, it'll be different, but it is the story of Tony Stark. Captain America is the story of Steve Rogers. And, you know, it, it's about the character, 
not the powers. It's the old Stan Lee thing. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's the human in superhuman. Um, and that's the big difference here. And I think that that's kind of, like, that's why this trailer isn't grabbing me, because it's like, okay, so they're going to show me a bunch of, you know, cool applications of the powers. But again, who is he fighting? Is he fighting Victoria Cord? Is that who the bad guy is in this movie? I don't know. There's no indication. All I know is that Jaime's going to get the, the, the scarab, and he's going to get a cool suit. And, he, and the, the scarab is, for some reason, an anti-hero. And I'm like, I, I don't feel like that. That doesn't feel like Blue Beetle, but whatever. We'll give it a shot. Like, I'm still like going to hold out some cautious optimism because I have a feeling that if this trail, if it's possible, this trail is just misrepresenting reality, which is, again, I, I, enjoy, I think that Shazam 2 is not a great movie, but it is better than the marketing implied it would be. Um, which is not great, but still, like... If we're watching this and that's where we, we are on this, I feel like it could just be mar uh, DC needs a better marketing team. And I think that that's been the case for a very long time at DC, where their marketing team is not doing a great job. Um, I think we're going to carry over here. Um, and then our final trailer is Secret Invasion, which I wasn't super excited about in general. I wasn't like, okay, we have to see Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion is going to be a big thing. Um... I can't wait to see Secret Invasion. It's just, I need more content and I need more things to fill up the schedule. And Marvel shows do good ratings. So yeah, I want Secret Invasion to come. But I I wasn't like beating down the door to see it in the same way that I was like, I really want to see what they do in House of Harkness because I really like the magic aspect. I really want to see what they do in Ironheart because I want to see how they set up Armor Wars. I really want to see um, Echo because I want to see more Daredevil. Like, here, I'm like, all right, let's see Secret Invasion. It looks like a solid espionage thing. I see this trailer, and the first thing I texted Peter when I saw the trailer and then I sent it to him was, this movie is going to be Disney Plus's Winter Soldier. And when I say that, what I mean is, the Winter Soldier was the point where the Marvel Cinematic Universe became something kind of special. And, and became kind of a, a standard bearer for high-quality entertainment. Where if we look back at what they did prior to this, and if we look back at what what happened elsewhere in this, you know, kind of, you know, in, in the ether of Marvel, it's like, most of Phase 1 is not great. Like, we look back at Phase 1 fondly now, but it was not as well received as it is now. Incredible Hulk is utterly forgettable at best. Iron Man 2 is not a great movie. It's, it is, again, one of these corporate interferences or studio interferences nonsense. The first Captain America, I really like it, but a lot of people hate it. Thor, both Thor movies are not great. Iron Man 3 was vitriolically hated when it came out, and The Avengers is probably the most overrated movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because that movie has a lot of standing and talking, and if you're going to sit down and watch that movie again, holy shit, have you got a lot to sit through that's just sitting and talking. And I'm like, alright, whatever, can we just move past this? But it wasn't until The Winter Soldier hit and then that began the string of hits. And and let's be honest, the weak point before that was Thor to Dark World right beforehand. So maybe we're in that situation right now where we're going to have Secret Invasion come out and it's going to hit on such a level where it's like, oh shit, now it's going to be something, you know, something, this is going to be the point where Marvel starts to set back off again. Um, because again, I'm not saying that Quantumania is Dark World bad, I'm saying that Quantumania is not the best movie, and I'm a lot less high on it, having seen it about a month ago, or 
yeah, almost two months ago now. But, like, I'm a lot less high on it after that. Um, but I, I think that this could be the turning point for them, where it's like, okay, so we are going to get our shit together and move forward in an easy way. And I think I've said before my theory as to why Marvel has been the way it has been in recent years. Namely, they're trying to pump out content um, under the old CEO, but now we're under we're back under Iger, so it's going to be different. Um, maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. It's probably a little of both, but I feel like that's kind of where we are now. And I think Secret Invasion could be really good. Like seeing all the cameos in it in the trailer, I'm like, oh shit! Like, yeah, they didn't show Quake, but they didn't show Jonathan Majors in in the Loki trailer. Like, you know, it, there's plenty. I don't think they showed Sylvie even in the in the in the Loki trailer. So, you know, there's or or um or um any of the Loki variants besides uh, Mayor Loki in the, uh, what's it called, in the in the area where everyone gets wiped to. Like, there's still plenty of room to to bring these characters, to bring in characters that I'm assuming are here. Like, I would be very surprised if Daisy doesn't make an appearance. At minimum, if not also at least one of Fitz and Simmons um, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because that's the thing is, what we see is they're pulling in things somewhat. Not all of it. Like, Black Bolt came back for, for Multiverse of Madness. Um, we have Daredevil coming back. Uh, Punisher is coming back. Allegedly, Jessica Jones is coming back. If they want to, they can bring back Mike Coulter. I think the there is one person, I think, who they would not extend the invitation to to come back, and I think that's Finn Jones, who played Danny Rand. I think everyone else was kind of liked enough where they're like, hey, if you want to come back, by all means, come back. But we're not going to, you know, force you. We have no contractual way to force you. Um, but if you want to come back and play in our new sandbox, by all means, we have the ability to do that. And I think this show, like, this show could be that and, and for ground level stuff. And I think that would be really interesting if it happened. Um, and I would like to see that kind of unfold. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested in Secret Invasion. We only have like two months to wait for that too, because it's coming out in June. It's going to be a fucking stacked summer, people. So get the fuck ready for this year. It's going to be amazing. Which brings us to our final thing of the evening, our discussion of Detective Pikachu. Because Super Mario comes out tomorrow, and I wanted to talk about a video game movie that I really enjoyed from a few years ago. And I went back, and first and foremost, let's just talk about what I talked about a little bit this morning on, on Beware of Spoilers. Why did we as a society decide to make watching movies so much more difficult than it needs to be? Like seriously, like, I'm not like like I have I own a copy of Detective Pikachu. I got it on Black Friday a few years back for like five bucks. I have it on 4K, but I don't want to go hunting for it. I just don't want to. I I just want to be able to sit down and watch my movie. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm not gonna go hunting for it. I'll just find it on a streamer. And I'm like, and 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 me in my position. Um, where I watch a lot of streaming stuff, and I do a lot of streaming movies and, and things like that. Like, I, I do a lot of reviews, so I have all the streamers. So I'm like, alright, one of them has to have this fucking movie. So I check Netflix, Netflix doesn't have it. I check HBO Max, because that's the next logical place. Actually, it should have been the first place, because HBO is what, uh, it, it's a Warner Brothers legendary movie, so I check there, they don't have it. I check Hulu, Hulu doesn't have it, but they do have it on TBS if you get Hulu Plus Live TV. Um, I go to Stars, they don't have it. I go to Showtime, they don't have it. I go to Peacock, they don't have it. I go to Amazon Prime, you can rent it. I go to um, 
Uh, so, does that time? Paramount Plus is the one I think I missed. I went to Paramount Plus, they don't have it. So meanwhile, here I am, and I'm like, I have 85 streaming services, and not fucking one of them has Detective Pikachu on it. How the fuck does that happen? Um, and I'm like, I'm not paying $60 to get Hulu Plus Live TV just to watch this one movie with commercials for it to be on TBS. So I'm just like, fuck it. I, so I had to go find the DVD. Anyway, all of that notwithstanding, I have now watched the movie again, and I'm like, this is a lot, like... I thought I was going to be a lot less on about it, because, like, I saw that movie in a theater opening weekend, and I was like, this is phenomenal. Like, I saw it in the theater, and I was like, this is something truly amazing. Like, and, and I was like, maybe, it, and that's where I left, I was like, maybe it was just seeing Pokemon on the big screen. Maybe it was just that nostalgia of, you know, when I was a kid, and seeing all the little Easter eggs they have all through the movie, and, you know, seeing that the way it is. But, Maybe it was just that. It wasn't. Like, I sat down and I watched that movie and I was like, holy shit, this holds up very well. Like, the chaotic energy that Ryan Reynolds brings to, to, Detective, to the Detective Pikachu character is just so funny the entire way through. Like, like I, and it was in the trailer, but it makes me laugh every time. The, you know, like the whole thing when they're sitting in the, uh, in the cafe and he's like, so, um, you know, or he faked his own death. Or someone else faked his death. Or... He faked someone else's death. Now, that last one doesn't make any sense. And then he's like, so, case closed, but still open until I solve it. And, like, that whole thing is so funny. Um, it has predictable character arcs, and you kind of know exactly where it's going. But again, it's probably a kid's movie more than anything else. So you have to kind of have that, you know, intro to the, the, the hero's journey kind of thing going through this um, to make it palatable. Um, seeing Mewtwo is great, and, like, all of the cool things, like the evolution and, and, and all of that in the movie is just so, so fun, and that's all I've really ever wanted from a Pokemon movie. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the sequel, um, and looking into what Mario is going to be uh, tomorrow, I'm like, holy shit, Mario could be something really special. Um, I think there's a chance that, you know, Marvel Mario could be really good. Um, I'm not holding my breath, but I think there's a chance. Um... And, uh, yeah, I, like, I see that trailer, and I'm like, like, this is everything I wanted from, like, it's that same kind of feeling that I get watching this Detective Pikachu movie, where it's like, I've played these games, I know these characters, I'm so familiar with this world, and to see it in this capacity is like, this is something that's gonna be great. And I think it's that same kind of problem, where it's like, alright, so if that's where we are here, we're in a good place. If that's where this movie ends up being, even if it is Aquaman levels of, like, Here's everything you fucking know about Mario in one movie. I think that's okay. I think that that's kind of an okay place to be. Um, and I'd be interested to see how it plays out. Um, but I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up for today. Uh, so Thursday, we'll be talking about Outer Banks Episode 4 on the watch list. Next week, we have Tiny Detours on, um, on the, the backlog files. And we'll be back with our next movie, which is going to be next week. Uh, Passion of the Christ? No, I'm kidding. Uh, next week, we have Nausicaa and the Valley of Wind, which is available, I know this for certain, on HBO Max. Uh, in terms of uh, Beware of Spoilers, we have a fuck ton of stuff happening this month. If you want to check out that, we have movies, video games. We're going to be talking about Movie House. We're going to be talking about uh, Jedi Survivor later in the month. We're going to be talking about 
Uh, the last case of Benedict Fox later in the month. We have a ton of stuff over there. Head on over to Beware of Spoilers, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Start to subscribe there for new release stuff. Here we'll have news and other cool things. So until our next episode, have a great rest of your week. This podcast is a production of Multiple World Productions. For more details about all the other things happening on all three podcasts, check out multipleworldproductions.com.